What is happening to the surface of the planet Earth and to California's Central Valley? The concerns we have here in Modesto are varied. We need to look at the effects that the global temperatures are having on our soil and various aspects of life in an agricultural community. What are the honest, hardcore facts about reckless human behavior that cause the peril that humans make for each other? And what can we do to take better care of each other? Great Mother Earth, her promise in peril. We are curators of factual recordings so that you can learn and navigate for yourself this terrain of the perils and the promises right here on kcbpradio.org sponsored by the Peace Life Center of Modesto. Today on The Peril and the Promise, we'll be looking into what it means when your life is disrupted by climate disasters, climate change disasters. What does it mean to be an environmental refugee? How do we deal with uh, such disruptions in our personal lives? And uh, what do we do about the air quality during California's wildfire season? Hey, my name is Anthony Presto, and I'm an outreach and communications representative for the San Joaquin Valley Air Pollution Control District. And uh, that means uh, doing you know, fun and exciting things like talking to you and uh, informing the, and educating the public about air quality in the San Joaquin Valley. And we're a government agency and a public health agency that uh, does um, everything can do to clean the air from San Joaquin County all the way down to Kern. That covers eight counties. It's the largest air basin in the United States. And uh, only Los Angeles has a worse air, prob- air quality problem in the United States than the San Joaquin Valley. And it's only a little bit worse because of our, our situation with meteorology, geography, and topography. Uh, it doesn't take much to uh, reach unhealthy levels of air quality uh, where we live because we are almost completely surrounded by mountains. We have uh, an inversion layer that forms nearly every day in the valley, which is a, a weather system that keeps uh, um, air pollution down at ground level most of the time, and and it uh, doesn't take long for it to become highly concentrated and unhealthy. We have a uh, um, hot, stagnant summers that help create ozone pollution and uh, stagnant winters often that build up fine particulate matter, a lot of it coming from residential wood burning. And in the summertime, uh, the late summer, uh, what we're experiencing uh, during this period is uh, um, a lot of wildfires that are pushing smoke into the San Joaquin Valley. And uh, that's what we call an exceptional event and and something that is outside of uh, our control to be able to reduce emissions. When it comes to asthma... Do you know the statistics on asthma in the Central Valley versus L.A.? I've, I've heard we've got like the worst rate, but I don't know what that means. We do have a very high rate of asthma in the San Joaquin Valley, especially with children. Uh, and and uh, we are seeing that more and more children tend to be suffering from asthma on a daily basis. Air pollution uh, exacerbates this problem. And each county uh, you can go to their public health departments to get the, the actual t- statistics on on uh, what the rate for childhood asthma and and adult asthma are. Can you comment on the uh, on that compounding factor of regular air quality when wildfires are happening during the summertime, especially? Yeah, you know, there's 
there's uh, different factors to take into consideration when you're battling air pollution. Uh, there, there's three major uh, organizations, government agencies, that actually regulate this type of thing. The Environmental Protection Agency, that's our federal agency that has uh, regulatory authority over mobile sources, which is everything that moves on the ground, in the sky, on the water that creates the air pollution. They're able to regulate that stuff. Local air districts like us are not, we don't have the regulatory authority to do so. The federal uh, um, government also sets ambient air quality standards that are health-based, which means uh, they, they do a health study and determine what is a safe level of air pollution to have in the air, and every state and local air district is required to meet those standards. Uh, the California Air Resources Board is our state agency uh, that does something very very similar, uh, setting air quality standards and regulating um, all the sources of air pollution that come into the state, things like you know your consumer products, your cars, your trucks, your paints, and they're able to regulate to a degree mobile sources. A local air district like the San Joaquin Valley uh, Air District, we regulate stationary sources, um, you know, your factories, your gas stations, and to some degree, you know, uh, what residents are doing, like, like residential wood burning, fireplaces. Uh, and, and so uh, even though we are um, given the, the charge from this, the federal government to meet air quality standards, we have a very small regulatory authority area to meet them. In other words, uh, we only can regulate about a fourth of the sources of air pollution in the San Joaquin Valley, but we have the job to reach those standards. So we are always uh, looking for every feasible control measure we can uh, to regulate air quality in the valley and to uh, try and meet federal standards. And, and sometimes we, we get creative um, in addition to regulating um, all of the the stationary sources, the factories, and, and different businesses, uh, we also have something called indirect source review, trying to uh, capture and reduce emissions from mobile sources at the building stage. And what that means is when um, any kind of uh, building company is maybe building a mall or a factory, we're going to take into account and require them to offset the emissions that are created from that that um, that that new building uh, because of all of the additional traffic that is going to and from that, that, uh, you know, that new building. So um, say it's a new housing development built uh, just outside of town. Well, that means there's going to be more traffic coming to and from uh, that development. And so the, the builder is going to uh, have to offset those emissions by how they build. Uh, maybe making the houses more energy efficient and making sure they include sidewalks so it's pedestrian friendly and bus stops so they so that so that buses can actually uh, stop there and folks can take the bus instead of driving uh, there's a lot of different things that um, that industry can do nowadays and we're getting a lot of uh, cooperation from from industry and uh, and, well, that's good. You know, they, they deserve a lot of credit for the reduction in air pollution that's come to the valley. That's good. Yeah, um, we're going to take a short break and then um, come back with two more questions for you, Anthony.
we're back. Let's go ahead and continue. Anthony, a few minutes ago, you mentioned indirect source review is one of the tools you have as an agency to require um, new entities to, to do things to offset their emissions and to make sure that the air quality is good. Do you, can you comment at all on CEQA or do I need to talk to a different person about the CEQA process? It's California Environmental Quality Act. You know, uh, it would be great for you to call the um, California Air Resources Board to talk okay. more about that. Okay, and so that's done at the state level. And since you're a part of a local agency, uh, is there an analog for what uh, directs and guides and, and, and helps you your agency be able to uh, police <laughs> the potential polluters? You know, uh, in order to meet federal and state standards for air quality, uh, the Air District has to form uh, air quality plans uh, every time these these uh, new standards come out. And uh, right in the, we're right in the middle right now of forming a PM 2.5 plan. And what that means, PM stands for particulate matter, 2.5 stands for uh, 2.5 microns and anything that's smaller than that. So there are two types of air pollution that we deal with in the San Joaquin Valley that we do not meet federal standards for. One is ozone pollution and the other is fine particulate matter. And there are several different standards that address those. So the Air District um, puts together uh, every feasible control measure we can to try to meet those standards and with that uh, all the rules, uh, regulations, uh, incentive programs uh, that, that we form and we're always looking for more ways uh, to address these types of um, pollutants and always um, uh, looking for new technology. Currently, the technology to meet some of the standards that are ahead of us does not exist. So the, the Air District has a lot of incentive programs. One of them uh, is designed to spur more technology. So we're, we're asking, you know, different uh, companies that are out there, if you have a new technology to try to reduce emissions from the sources that are a problem in the valley, um, you know, we want you to come forward with that and we may be able to help to develop the technology. A lot of the other incentives that we have, as a matter of fact, there are actually too many incentives <laughs> to, uh, to address uh, right now. And uh, the best thing to do is to go to our website at valleyair.org and look up grants and incentives, and you'll see uh, numerous incentives that are geared toward businesses, they're geared toward agriculture, toward public agencies, and residents. And some of the ones that are exciting uh, when it comes to residents is <clears throat> our um, Clean Green Yard Machines, which is designed to um, help residents get rid of their old gas-burning lawnmower and replace it with an electric one that works just as well and they'll get half of what they spent back on, on uh, the purchase of that lawnmower. Uh, also, there's the Drive Clean program. Uh, it's actually Drive Clean in the San Joaquin, which incorporates several different programs to help residents, uh, one, keep their car running clean, and that's at our tune-in and tune-up events. And then um, within that, there's a, a program to help folks who don't pass that uh, emissions test at tune-in and tune-up and have an older vehicle, 1999 and older, to replace the car uh, and and help them buy a newer 
slightly used in most cases uh, vehicle that's much cleaner. Sometimes they can go to a, um, a hybrid vehicle, to a plug-in hybrid, or even a used electric vehicle. And then the uh, the Drive Clean Purchase New program helps residents in the San Joaquin Valley to go out and buy a brand new electric car. And they're going to get $3,000 back for doing that and money back from the state on top of that. So there's a lot of savings there, yeah. and and it, and and this addresses you know one of our largest sources of air pollution that we can't regulate at our level, but we can incentivize folks to keep on helping us uh, do that by making these changes faster than they would without a, a little help to do so. Right. And then there's also the burn cleaner program as we uh, address and, and realize that folks in the valley, there's still some that want to burn wood in their fireplaces. And that's a very inefficient way to heat your home, but we'd love to help you get something cleaner in that fireplace, like an EPA certified stove, a pellet stove, or best would be a, um, a natural gas insert, and there's an incentive of $1,000 to go to all three of those uh, items. And if you go to the natural gas, there's an additional up to $500 for the cost of installation. So there's a lot of exciting things out there that residents can do, and, they can, and we can help them uh, to do that. Okay, great. And people, get, as you said, could get more information at valleyair.org? valleyair.org uh, has uh, all the information on all of our programs and rules and regulations and grants and incentives. And then healthyairliving.com has a lot of uh, information on, on the more fun stuff, like, like our Healthy Air Living Schools program uh, that, that we're uh, offering to all schools in the Valley, a lot of free uh, tools and resources to protect kids. Great. Um, one final question before we go, and that is, uh, how would you compare, if you have the knowledge on this, the California Central Valley with other regions in California or with other states in terms of the the capacity for governmental agencies to help incentivize and, and regulate and, and try to do a better job for everybody's health? How does California or specific regions in California compare with other states? Well, California has always been a leader in, in this area. You know, we, uh, we have uh, probably the worst air pollution. We do. We have the worst air pollution uh, in all of the United States in California because we have uh, such high-density uh, areas of population. So we need to be out in front when it comes to doing the most possible uh, for public health and improving air quality. Uh, Los Angeles is uh, the area with the the most air pollution in the United States and the San Joaquin Valley is the second. But we are out in front uh, when it comes to um, different strategies to, to clean the air. You know, we're a leader in that area and we're Great. always looking for ways to improve. Uh, so we really encourage actually residents to take part in this. Come to our public uh, meetings. Uh, we, have a, we have the governing board that meets every month. Uh, the Citizens Advisory Committee meets every month. And the Environmental Justice Advisory Group meets every month. And then we also have public workshops to explain uh, new uh, rules and regulations to explain our air quality plans. And the best thing to do is for the public and all the stakeholders, all the businesses that are affected, to be a part of that so we can all work together the, in the most effective way possible. I agree completely. Thank you, Anthony, for uh, spending time with us this morning on kcbpradio.org. Thank you. Okay. 
Okay, this is Pegasus with KCBP Radio on The Peril and the Promise. And we'll be back with Sue Holper, who has survived evacuations twice for wildfires in Central California. Okay, this is Pegasus with KCBP Radio on The Peril and the Promise. And go ahead and tell us your name and where you live. Sue Holper. I live in Mountain Ranch, California. What county is Mountain Ranch in? In Calaveras. How long have you lived there? Ooh, 25-some years. Since 1990. Being a, a wildfire summer every summer, have you been through a few wildfires up there? Yeah, the year after I arrived in Calaveras County, there was the old Gulch Fire, and we evacuated from Sheep Ranch, is where I lived, to uh, um, up to Arnold. And as I was listening to the radio, I couldn't tell whether the fire was going on that piece of land or not. But I realized that if there was any habitable structure left, I wanted to be there. I'd been there a year, but it just it's like it bonded me to that piece of land. Wow. That's a good story. So you've got a long connection with your land out there. Well, this is a different piece of land I'm living on now because that little cabin was that little cabin was uh, uprooted by an oak tree. Um, we were a little worried about it and uh, had the tree guy come and look and he pulled up the deck and said, oh, this tree's been here two, three hundred years. It's not going anywhere, but I'd worry about your house if I were you. <laughs> I was renting from my friend. He said, well, how long do we have? So he said a year, maybe two. So I began looking for another place because I didn't want to leave the county. Yeah. On um, next week's show on the Parallel and the Promise, we're going to be talking about air quality um, with somebody from the, a couple of people that are alleged experts on air quality with, with the having to breathe this kind of stuff during the fires. Um, but you had to evacuate a second time, and that was just a few years ago, right? Or? Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> I evacuated Arnold, and then that time in 1990, we then we went to the Bay Area. But... This time, um, we evacuated just to Vallecito. During the Butte Fire of 2015, September, October? Almost three years ago, yeah. And then there were two cats, a parrot, a dog, and three of us, seven of us, preparing to evacuate again. We didn't have to, but we were looking for a place that could take all seven of us. And uh, we'd actually found one, and then uh, stayed with different friends for a year. And then, and then I got a trailer with some of the insurance money. I got a trailer and moved back onto the land. Recently on The Peril and the Promise, I reported that there was a, a set of doctors that put out the paper at the end of 2017 pointing out that climate change has been affected by humans. And so these, these um, symptoms of, these, of the floods, hurricanes, fires, etc., is, is indeed part of climate change. It's not just like weird weather over and over. It is part no. of climate change. And in fact, the, the day that we left to evacuate, I was on the phone with that friend of mine at about 10.30 in the evening. We were talking about how the sky looked exactly the same as it had at the old gulch? At the old gulch fire. And a knock came on the door, and a neighbor that I'd only met once at a potluck said, 
I'm so sorry to bother you, so sorry to bother you, so sorry to bother you. And I said, no, 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 what is it? He said, well, from my end of the road, I can see the flames coming over the hill. You might, I'm leaving, you might want to leave. He said, I'm so sorry to bother you. I said, you might be saving our lives, you know. <laughs> and then uh, I, and my friend heard this and she said, well, I guess you're coming over here then. <laughs> and so then the electricity went out. And so with flashlights, we found two cats and the cat carriers and grabbed whatever odd assortment of clothes we could. and. The, all the food in the refrigerator because we thought we'd be back in a few days. I'm assuming that was a stressful event. It seems like it is for a lot of people. How did you deal with the stress in, in that afterwards? And what do you advocate for other people that are going to more climate refugees to come as our listeners are hearing this and might be in a similar situation someday? Um, I think the most important thing is keeping connections with other people. By far the most important thing. In fact, those connections have become deeper since the fire. I mean, half the people lost their homes, and of those, maybe half left. But the ones who are still here are bonding more and more. And, yeah. and that was by... I would, say, I would say to people, you know, we're having the kind of conversation. We wouldn't have had this deep a conversation before the fire. And never once did somebody look blank or shake their heads or argue with me every time somebody nodded or they just stood there and started smiling and sometimes they would hug me. Everybody had the same experience. Well, that's a great part of the story. The, the, the shining liner around the cloud of what happens to humans during global climate change disasters. Um, the other thing that I think you told me about once and other people had told me about this, um, the color green after this fire, uh, your land recovery, what, what's, what's happening? Oh, it was so nice when the green started coming back. Oh, yes. And then at some point I realized that all that green were the things that they called uh, invasive species that weren't <laughs> the best thing to, to have in the land. I was still glad to have them. And now, you know, there are, there are still like black skeletons of oak of oak trees and in the winter I can fool myself that they're just winter trees because I came from the Midwest yeah. <laughs> but in California they don't go they don't go black in the winter they don't lose their leaves <laughs> so it, and it's, that can be depressing uh, yeah. um, but I I got um, Somebody was giving away, I think it was the people who do a lot of clear cutting, also gave away little seedlings. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, and the AmeriCorps people were organized by somebody to come in and help me plant. So I have 120 little trees that I am watering. How many trees do you think you lost? Oh my God. More than 120 probably. Well, or maybe not. we were Manzanita ranchers. Oh, so. Yeah. <laughs> We had mostly manzanita poison oak and some rattlesnakes, <laughs> but no, there were there were some um, there were only about there were three big oak trees that survived, and one of them since has has succumbed. So and none of the conifers. So oh, I don't know, 38 acres, um, and yeah. there were some big trees. It had been logged over before we bought it, but uh -huh. there were some there were trees there and. There may, there, in 20 years, there will be more trees than there were before the fire because I've planted them. Yeah, thank you for doing that for future generations. I may not live to see them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good gift for the future. 
was the voice of Sue Holper, one of hundreds of survivors of a few wildfires in Calaveras County, with some words of hope for folks who are surviving the current wildfires in California. During that interview, I mentioned the recent science-based publication of conclusive data on human-caused climate change, so I wanted to clarify that concept and let you know where to find more info. The Union of Concerned Scientists, Union of Concerned Scientists is an easy website. The articles online are at ucsusa.org. Again, the Union of Concerned Scientists is ucsusa.org. Before we close out this week's installment of The Peril and Promise, we have some updates from democracynow.org regarding wildfire season in California. Remember early August this year, when 17 wildfires were raging across the state, the Mendocino Complex Fire in Northern California was at that point the largest wildfire recorded in the state's history. Of course, these wildfires took human lives too along the way. One of the big things uh, we heard about uh, a few years ago and was reiterated uh, this summer on shows like Democracy Now! is that because human industry has elevated the carbon dioxide levels already over the past century, there's a big job for the future humans during the next millennium to pull that carbon dioxide back out of the atmosphere. The scientists have all pointed out that preventing more mass extinctions and migrations of entire forests can possibly be slowed, but it means, quote, getting off this carbon highway at the next available exit, unquote. That is, stopping the release of more carbon into the atmosphere immediately, as well as recapturing it the way nature did in a good balance for the abundance of species and life prior to human intervention and disruption of the carbon cycle. So if you're a regular listener to Democracy Now!, you probably heard from the Sierra Club Executive Director Michael Brune and Michael Mann, the scientist uh, from Penn State University's uh, Atmospheric Science Program. And um, what they were telling us was that Quote, if you warm up the planet, you're going to get more intense and longer heat waves. You're going to get drier soils because the heat is baking the soil. It's baking the surface of the earth. So you've got hotter temperatures, you've got drier soils, you've got less winter snowpack. Unquote. Meaning that less snow falling in the winter in the Sierra Nevada mountains, possibly because of the jet stream behavior itself is connected to climate change, is coupled with more heat and perpetually hot surfaces, making, quote, a perfect storm of consequences when it comes to wildfire caused by human-caused climate change, unquote. At the same time, Michael Brune of the Sierra Club reminded the world that more than 20,000 new wells and drilling permits have been issued under Governor Jerry Brown, indicating that California is simultaneously expanding oil production in the state and ramping up the good work of clean energy projects. Thank you for tuning in to The Peril and the Promise. This show is heard three times a week on kcbpradio.org, 95.5 FM. I'm your host. My name is Pegasus, and we do need a co-host to join me here on The Peril and the Promise. So if you're interested, look us up at kcbpradio.org and find out how to volunteer at your community radio station here in the Valley. You can go online to learn more about programming here on KCBP and... Stay tuned for more great local origination programming on 95.5 FM. You've been listening to The Peril and the Promise from kcbpradio.org, produced by Adlai Fredrickson and Pegasus, here at the Peace Life Center of Modesto. 
You can tune in every week at this time to learn about the peril that humans make for each other and the promise that we can make for a better world as community. Music on The Peril and the Promise on the Earth is by Alzara Getz and Dorothy's Melton.